Welcome to the Confident Retirement Podcast. Is doing the most important things alone a good idea? How comfy are you with your choices when it comes to life's biggest decisions? What is real peace of mind with financial confidence and how can you get it? Chris Fleming and Mark Peachy are the founders of LPF Advisors in Sarasota, Florida. On the show, they bring together the best and brightest minds to share with you how to have a more confident financial picture. They empower listeners with simple, common sense and financial wisdom. And now, here are your hosts from LPF Advisors. I want to welcome everybody to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors. I'm your host, Chris Flaming, and today I have the pleasure of bringing Ashley Dotchin to the show. Her Dotchin Law Firm practice based in Concord, Mass, specializes in guiding families through the confusing maze of legal decisions in order to create a plan that ensures their well-being. They want to help clients pass on a legacy of love, care, and ease, keeping them out of court and out of conflict. Her unique life experiences and novel approach to life planning will be an enriching experience to our listeners. And she's doing all of this while juggling running a business and motherhood. So Ashley, thanks for being here and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So let's jump in. I'm sure you have a pretty interesting history on how you came to be where you are now. So please take me through that and what led you to opening your own practice. So when I was about 10 years old, my grandfather, he had a stroke and he never really recovered from it. Um, Mm -hmm. He was always pretty dependent on my grandmother. So shortly after he had his stroke, he got his estate planning done. He thought he had everything in place, put together, ready to go. And when I was in my senior year of high school, he actually ended up passing away Mm -hmm. and he hadn't updated his plan since he'd done it. There were a lot of things that were either out of date or that my grandmother didn't know about. Yeah. And so the probate process was really confusing for her. She didn't know how to find his assets. Mm -hmm. She didn't know what he had, what he didn't have. And she thought everything covered. And because she had such a confusing time, she went to see a lawyer and she updated her own plan, hoping to make things easier. But when she passed away a couple of years ago, kind of the same problem. My dad and my uncle were going through the probate process. They didn't really know what she had. They had some Mm -hmm. idea because they'd been helping her take care of some of her living expenses, but they found out at that point that there was actually a life insurance policy that my grandfather had taken out and he had only listed my grandmother as the beneficiary. So because she never claimed it, it ended up in the State Department of Unclaimed Property. And it's still there because he never listed it back up. She wasn't able to access it because she passed away and she didn't know about it while she was alive. And so kind of those, all of those pieces together led me to believe there has to be a better way to plan and to make sure that families are staying organized and things are staying current as their life changes. So, okay, that's really interesting. So what, in what ways does a comprehensive estate plan fix that or mitigate that or deal with that? Yeah. So during a comprehensive estate plan, what we're doing is we're taking the traditional pieces that clients normally think about. So we're doing a will or a trust, a healthcare proxy, a living will, power of attorney for their financial pieces. But then on top of that, we're doing an inventory of all their assets so that their Mm -hmm. family knows exactly what they have, 
how to locate it if something happens to them so nothing gets lost. And then taking some other pieces like doing a legacy interview so they have um, something that they're able to leave their family with as a keepsake at the end if something does happen to them. So we're really working on making sure that nothing gets lost. And then by updating it, you know, every one to three years, some clients I have to reach out to every three years because I haven't heard from them. I have other clients who will contact me every year because they really want to make sure that asset inventory gets updated. And I think, you know, everything changes. Your life is always changing. So I tell my clients to kind of think of their estate plan as like a living, breathing thing. It's Mm -hmm. not a one time and you're done because otherwise it's, it's too likely to fail. Right. No, we run into that too, where people think I came in and I did all this stuff with you. So now I'm fixed. I, I never have to worry about it or review it again. I'll call you when I need something. Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't really work that way. <laughs> Things are always changing. Right. So you've had your, uh, you've had your practice for several years now. Are there some things that you know now that you wish you would have known when you started out? Yeah, there definitely are. Um, so I think that one of the things that I didn't realize when I started the estate planning law firm was how scary talking about death can be to people. Mm. And I mean, I knew that it was something where people got uncomfortable talking about it, but my mom's a hospice nurse. So I grew up talking about death all the time. Um, so it took me a while to figure out ways to go about talking about the planning that we were going to be doing in a way that makes people feel like we're planning more for their life than we are their death. I mean, ultimately, okay. yeah, we're planning okay. for, for everything. But, you know, realistically, you're going to be living for the next, you know, at least 10 years, hopefully, depending on how old you are. So we want to yeah. make sure that we're making sure your life is also taken care of, not just planning for that one big event at the end. What you said there was really perceptive. So I, I'm curious, like, how do you get people or how do you help them break through on that. I don't, this is uncomfortable. I don't like talking about death. How do you go about doing that with people? So what we start with, I try and start every conversation with just a few icebreaker questions to make them comfortable talking about, you know, if it's a married couple, how they met, um, you know, what Mm -hmm. their family's like, maybe what they did over the weekend. And then going into some of their goals, like what they're hoping to accomplish in their lifetime, you know, what's Mm -hmm. their five-year plan and thinking about it in terms of, you know, planning for those next couple of years. Yeah. And then ultimately, you know, someday down the road, if something mm. happens to you, what would you like to happen if something unexpected were to happen, but really just kind of guiding them to thinking about shorter term goals at that point. Okay, let's shift gears just a little bit. Sure. Uh, what do you like best about your business right now about about your practice? I really like the families that are coming in and I like meeting, you know, a large variety of people and being able to help them. But also I like, you know, when they come in and I can tell during that initial meeting, they're nervous, they're not sure what to expect. And really just watching people open up and, you know, by Mm. the end of it, realizing it's really not as scary a process as they thought it was going to be. Yeah. Now, have you seen... Has the impact of the pandemic, has that increased people's interest, do you think, in estate planning or has it, has it not had an effect on it? What do you think? I think it's definitely had an effect on it, um, either because people are concerned. You know, I've definitely had an increase in 
clients who were just concerned and want to get it off their plates. And then I have other clients who have had it on the back burner for a while as something they should do either because they're older or because they have kids. And having the pandemic and the lack of commute time now has freed up a lot of time for people. So they're able to do things that they've been thinking about, but just didn't have time to do. Right. So they clean their garage five times. They (laughs) they remodeled their house, right? Right. And now the next thing I got to do that darn estate plan stuff that Ashley was bugging me about, right? (laughs) So are there some areas of your practice that you get the most enjoyment out of? Like certain areas of practice? Yeah. So I really like helping the families that are, I would say anywhere between like 40 and 60, you know, at that point, they've been working for a while or they're getting closer to retirement. And it seems to be right around the time that they get as much enjoyment out of their planning as I do, because they've got enough pieces to move around that they're taking their planning, you know, really seriously. And, you know, they're excited about it. You know, sometimes the older people get, you know, when somebody's in their their 80s or 90s, and arguably it's the most important at that point if they haven't done it, but they're not excited to do it at that point. Right. It's begrudgingly or, yeah, they're getting close to the end of their life, so they don't see it as a (laughs) pleasurable experience. Okay. So is there a big misconception that you think people have about your line of work? So what's the big misconception out there? Yeah. So I hear a lot of times that they're doing their estate planning because they don't want the state to take their property and which, you know, that's not exactly how it works. Um, That's what everybody thinks, but there's a a lot of things that happen in between before that actually happens. And also, you know, I have a lot of clients who at the start will say, you know, I'm not married. I don't need to do any planning or I don't have any kids. Why do I need to plan? And I mean, really, you're doing it as much to protect yourself as you are to protect your assets. Because Mm -hmm. if something happens to you and you don't have a healthcare proxy or power of attorney, you're really leaving yourself exposed at that point. So it doesn't matter, you know, that you don't have a wife or you don't have kids at that point. Yeah. And I guess along those lines, what when someone comes in or the, the majority of the people that you work with, what do you see as being their biggest blind spots? So Blind spots are like things over here that are outside their peripheral vision that they don't realize are problems. They're not even seeing them or aware of them. What do you commonly see in the people you work with? Yeah. So a lot of times when clients come in, they'll tell me they um, just need a basic plan. They don't have a lot of assets. And the reason that they think that is they see the numbers in their bank account and that's what they're thinking of. They're not thinking about the house that they own. They're not thinking about life insurance policies, retirement accounts. So that seems to be a pretty large blind spot in itself. But then also, you know, I think that for a lot of people, once they do realize what assets they have, they're still generally just thinking in terms of documents and not in terms of, you know, how they're going to help them accomplish their goals later on. It's something that, you know, we take care of the first meeting to help them realize that. But I think, you know, the biggest thing is just realizing you have more assets than you think you do. Yeah, that's the education component, I suppose. Yeah, helping them learn why they're doing it, not just to get the documents done. So I'm curious if you can think of a recent client experience that you had um, that was really satisfying. So what problems were they facing? Uh, What were they trying to accomplish? Uh, What did you do to help them? 
Yeah. So actually, I just had a client a couple of weeks ago and it wasn't my normal type of client. He called me because he had been diagnosed with cancer and mm -hmm. everybody had been telling him that he needed to get an estate plan done and he just kept putting it off, putting it off. And when I went to see him initially, he had just been um, put onto hospice mm -hmm. and he still didn't really understand why he needed a plan. He wasn't yeah. married. He, the only reason he had was he didn't want the state to take everything. Yeah. So meeting with him and kind of going through, you know, the state doesn't just take your stuff. Here's what right. would happen to it. Most yeah. likely, is that what you want to happen or what pieces of that do you like and what do you not like so we can change it? And just seeing his mentality change and watching him open up over the next couple of weeks because he really wasn't ready to make a decision that day. It yeah. took a couple of weeks, but we still had that time crunch to get everything done just because you never right. know at that point. Um, yeah. But just seeing him change and seeing that when it was done and he signed everything, how happy he was and how he kind of seemed to relax a lot more at that point was really satisfying. Yeah, I can't imagine. That's amazing. Let's shift gears just a little bit. All right. Okay. I, want ask you, I want to ask you some questions. <laughs> so I'm curious if you have a first memory or an experience with money. So this could be when you were a little kid or I don't know, adolescence or you're shaking your head. So you must be yeah. thinking of something. Um, I remember when I was probably about six, my grandmother took me, she used to take me overnight for my birthday okay. and she would take me shopping. And so she took me into Barnes and Noble. All right. Um, and I remember walking in and seeing walls of books and being so excited to see them. And I just started grabbing them off the shelves because I didn't realize that they right. money at that point. Yeah. Uh, you thought, <laughs> would you think it was like the library? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And so, you know, she explained to me, you know, you can't get all the books. You have, you know, $30, maybe. I don't remember exactly what the amount was. And so I had these books in front of me and I was trying to figure out, you know, what I could buy and which book I wanted more. And it was a really valuable experience, I think, to start seeing that at a young age and starting to realize that, um, you know, budgeting is really, really important. And it's something I've tried to pass on to my own kids now. Yeah. Any experiences um, personally, or it could be in your business, that have made you keenly aware of the positive or the negative effect uh, or impact of, of wealth? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, I've worked with families who are nearing retirement age that, you know, didn't start saving until later. And watching them, usually at that point, if they don't have an advisor, I'll bring one on. And just watching them have those conversations about how much they have to save now because there was no mm. planning ahead in the future or before for the future. And, yeah. you know, just seeing how as you get older, those numbers continue to get bigger and bigger, how much you yeah. have to put away every year. And, you know, for most people, that's not realistic once you get to a certain point. Yeah, so, right. Um, you know, it's really prompted me to start early um, and, you know, to push my clients now who are still on the younger side who maybe aren't saving what they could be um, mm -hmm. to have those conversations with an advisor and see really where they are in terms of planning for retirement and, and being on track down the road. Yeah, I think that's unique that you identify that when you're meeting with people because they're initially coming to you for uh, estate reasons. 
Right. But you can see those other things as you meet with them. I find that commonly too, where they may come to me for retirement purposes, or they want me to evaluate some investments or some insurance policies, but things emerge from those conversations that are glaring problems or issues that they need to address. And then you can bring in a, a team or people, an advocate um, in another profession that can help with those things. So what would you say, Ashley, is your biggest life accomplishment so far? So this could be personally or professionally or both. I'm giving Honestly, you liberty here. I think for me, my biggest accomplishment was opening my own law firm. Okay. Um, because at that point, I had two really small kids. Um, I had a one-year-old and a two-year-old. Yikes. And the statistics on you know how long it takes to become profitable and how many yeah. businesses fail I think that a lot of people I knew were skeptical of the decision to start a business with the kids. And, yeah. you know, the fact that here we are three and a half years later and we're doing well and we're helping a lot of families. And, you know, I've been able to teach my kids a little bit more that, you know, if you really want something and you are willing to put in the work and the effort, you can absolutely do it. Um, so I think this has been my biggest accomplishment. Yeah, awesome. That's awesome. If you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing instead? Was there something growing up you thought you would be or some aspiration that you had that fizzled out? So from as long as I can remember, I wanted to be a lawyer. So I okay. don't know what I would do. I really enjoy helping people, you know, especially now with their finances. So I don't know if I would just be a financial advisor and still be able to help people right. that way or if I maybe would have followed in my mom's footsteps and been a nurse I know my sister yeah. did, so maybe I would have got sucked into that but I don't know I really like helping with the finances so probably a okay. financial advisor. Okay. and outside of your practice tell me something that you're really passionate about personally um, I think education honestly mm. you know I think it's really important to you know, be educated in world events and things that are going on, but then also, you know, to be educated on other things that, that come up every day, you know, your finances and things like that. And so it's something that, you know, I've been pushing my kids to mm. do now. They're still little, they're five and six, but every yeah. time we go on vacation, they get a gift card and they can spend what's on the gift card. So when the gift card runs out, they're out of money. Um, right. so trying to help them, you know, figure out budgeting and stuff and, you know, kind of incorporating lessons on, you know, once they're done school for the day, what's been going on in the world with the pandemic and how things have changed and what that means for them now and maybe mm -hmm. in the future and just trying to make sure that, you know, they're not, you know, spending time watching TV or playing yeah. video games, that they're still right. continuing to learn about the world around them. I think that's really important. Yeah, they can do some some of that mindless stuff for a while. but just <laughs> Yeah, they definitely yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if your kids are like mine, but I you raise them the same. And I have if I gave the four of them a uh, gift card each, one of them would blow it in, you know, an hour. <laughs> the other one, the other one would keep it in their pocket and not use it at all. And then the other one would try to get the, the fourth one to give them their card. Right. Yeah. So, so then they had two. So it's funny yeah. how that works. So you raise them the same, but they turn out differently. Yeah. No, one of my children's like a squirrel. He's definitely a saver. And my daughter will just blow through it. Um, right. She's going to go right through it. So <laughs> is, there a, is there a unique or interesting fact about you that very few people know? 
I actually was a French major in college and I went to France and I lived in Paris for a couple months and I almost didn't come back. Uh, It was right before I went to law school. Okay. And that was kind of the one time in my life that I questioned how much I wanted to be a lawyer versus Mm. take time off and just travel the world and see where I ended up later. Oh, okay. Interesting. So if you were traveling the world, would you only have been going to French speaking countries? Because that kind of limits where you can go. Yeah. So I think (laughs) that my base probably would have been France, but there were definitely countries that I was interested in going to and traveling and just exploring for a while. Uh-huh. Uh, yep. and so that was a really hard decision for me. Fortunately, I had already applied to law school at that okay. point. So when I found out I got in, it, it kind of eliminated right. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, until I got the letter in the mail, it was something that I was seriously considering. And what I've heard from a lot of people is, is once you're in, were you in the Paris area? Mm-hmm. Yeah, once you're there, it's really hard to leave. It's uh, Yeah, I was in Paris, I was far from um, the Champs-Élysées, so yeah. it's a great location. <laughs> yeah, that would be tough. Yeah. So when, as far as your industry goes, how do you stay on the cutting edge? How do you keep up with all the changes? There's obviously a lot of chatter about things that could change going forward. So how do you stay on top of all that? Yeah, so I do a lot of reading, a lot of online uh, webinars now that things are closed. Before that, I Mm -hmm. used to go and do the in-person seminars. But then also trying to stay in touch with a couple financial advisors to see what's happening on the financial side. So I'm able to take care of my clients a little bit better, pick their brains about, you know, some of the ins and outs of you know, life insurance or investment pieces so that when I'm Mm -hmm. planning with clients, then I know what I can and can't do a little bit better in terms of moving things around. And then also trying to meet with a CPA every year at the end of tax season to see Mm -hmm. what I should know for the next year uh, and what they're seeing as trends or what they think might happen. And then about halfway through the year, reaching out to them again and having another conversation to see you know, really what we need to be aware of as we're continuing to plan. So having a team or partnering with people, or I guess you can call it collaborating yeah. with, with people, uh, other professionals, that, that's so effective when it comes to getting a total solution together for, the, for a client. So yeah, um, <laughs> I'm curious uh, what your biggest challenge is right now in your business. What do you see as your biggest obstacle or challenge? So my biggest obstacle, I would say, is having to do with the pandemic and having to Mm. do most things remotely. I think that the initial switch to virtual Zoom calls um, was a bit of a challenge for most people. And I think that now everybody has gotten so used to it. Yeah, they still want to do it. But unfortunately, in Massachusetts, with the notarization piece, you still have to do it in person. Um, It's very hard to do it virtually. And so trying to get people to feel comfortable enough coming into the office or to let me come to their home and bring witnesses with me um, has been a huge obstacle because not everybody's there yet. Yeah. And rightfully so. Right. Especially based on everyone's personal health status. So have you, have you experienced commoditization, uh, any effects of that in your business? So what I mean by that is, you know, uh, people will say, well, I can just go online and get these documents. So have you experienced any of that in your own practice? And 
How, if so, how are you dealing with that or differentiating yourself? Yeah, so I've had a lot of clients who have used LegalZoom in the past or they come in for their first session and they're really yeah. at that point wondering, do I use a lawyer or do I use LegalZoom? And, yeah. you know, the downside to services like LegalZoom is that you may have that same feeling of, you know, it's done, it's taken care of. But the downside to it is that there are a lot of rules and laws that things like LegalZoom don't take into consideration or they don't mm. tell you. So yeah. usually, you know, I've had clients um, in the last year who have come to me with family members who have passed away and the family member used LegalZoom because it was quick and it was easy. Yeah. And then their family watches it go through the probate process. And a lot of times it gets tied up because yeah. um, they'll handwrite something in, right. um, they'll cross something out as it changes. And so, yeah. You know, the courts really don't like that. And so I've just seen so many of those plans fail that, you know, it's really important, I think, to make sure that if you're using one of those services, that you're really aware of, of the laws and, um, you know, what it could potentially mean for you. Because if your family has to try to undo what you've done by accident, it can cost, you know, tens of yeah, way more. Dollars. Yeah. Right? yeah, way more than the documents you got offline, right? Right. Okay. And on the flip side of that question I asked you earlier, um, what do you think is your biggest opportunity? So for your business? Yeah, so I think the biggest opportunity we have right now, especially, um, you know, in the world that we're living in is just the ability to educate people and to educate families, they don't have to leave their house, they can, you know, hop on and do one of our webinars, or they mm. can, um, you know, just Google things and, and all the information is really there that they need to at least get started. And I think that's definitely a huge opportunity is just being able to educate so many more people. Yeah, that's where technology is really helpful. Maybe not so much in the giving of advice, but just the gathering of information. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, just the initial gather information. information about, you know, maybe what types of documents you might need, but not, you know, to put them together to be the, yeah. you know, the absolute, you know, 100%. This is the all you, end all. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure you've had people come in and go, okay, I researched this and <laughs> I know I need this, this, and this, and this is here's what we're going to do. And what yeah, do you, what have do you people. Think? come in and, and be very adamant they needed, you know, a specific kind of trust because right. their neighbor down the street just did their estate plan and that's what they needed. Right, right. Um, so, may yeah. Or not, may or may not fit. Exactly. Is there a question that you think I should have asked you that I didn't? Or is there anything you want to expand on from what you said earlier? No, I just think, you know, being aware of your assets and being aware of the how your estate plan is really going to play into your life and how, you know, actually it is more about planning for life realistically than it is for about death because mm. by having those financial pieces like the power of attorney or the healthcare proxy living will, things like that, and enabling somebody to make your medical decisions, then you're really helping to protect yourself in the event that something comes up unexpectedly that you didn't plan for and you didn't pass away. And I think, you know, planning for life is just as important as planning for, you know, your will or your trust if you were to pass yeah. away. Yeah, we, we often talk to clients about um, the certainty of uncertainty. So exactly. It is absolutely true that there will be uncertainty. You can't mitigate that and, and eliminate that. 
if we can prepare for it, then we've done all that we can when that does happen, that we have things in place that would help us to get through it. Yeah. And I think too, thinking about things that your family would appreciate knowing that, you know, you may or may not traditionally pass down inside your estate plan. So, you know, pieces of advice that you might have going forward for your family or just to fill them in a little bit more on, you know, what life was like for you growing up in your history and ultimately their history. And just making sure that, you know, when something happens, everybody feels comfortable in your decisions, you feel comfortable with your decisions and you'll be remembered well. That's great. So if people want to learn more about you or your firm, what is the best way to get in contact or to reach out? So they can either go to the website, which is www.dotchinlaw.com, and Dotchin is D-O-T-C-H-I-N, or they can call the office at 617-716-9715. Okay. Yeah, and I've been to the website. There's lots of helpful info on there. It's easy to get in contact with Ashley if you want to do that. I encourage everyone to go there. Uh, Ashley, I want to thank you for taking the time to be here with me today. You've been an awesome guest, and I've learned so much from you in just a short time. It's been a true pleasure to interview you, and I want to thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, folks, we've been here with Ashley Dotchin, founder of Dotchin Law. And thank you all for tuning in to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors, where we're raising the retirement confidence of everyday people to another level one show at a time. Thanks for tuning in and we will see you next time. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast with Chris and Mark from LPF Advisors. For more information on them and retiring confidently, please visit lpfadvisors.com. If your ears are pleased and your mind is now at ease, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.